0: The Women of Ill Repute, with your hosts, Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Wendy, did I ever tell you about an idea I had once for a show, could have been a podcast, uh, called Enough About You? Oh, no. No, but do tell. I would have famous people on, but we wouldn't talk about them. We'd talk about me. (laughs) Like, I'd have, like, Mick Jagger on, and we'd talk about my high school prom, or... Meryl Streep would come on and, and, you know, we talk about trips that I've taken or the worst hangover I've ever had. You know, enough about you. Let's talk about me. <laughs>
1: well, I could see why that didn't get greenlit, why that, that might not take off.
0: Didn't even get lit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it could be funny. I, I, I hear you. Um, and, you know, many of our guests on this podcast, they're not hugely like worldwide famous, but they all, they all have a story like about their problem. <laughs> That's your
0: prom, right? Well, your prom story. Yeah, well, go ahead. Have a prom story, but uh, that's not the case today. Our guest today has a story for sure. She has many stories, but she's hugely famous. I would argue she's probably the most famous person we've had on the podcast.
1: Yeah, well, she's she's so famous, like globally famous. It's kind of embarrassing, um, but I will admit We have been chasing her, I think it's been over a year now. Uh, She's super busy, but we finally get to spend some time with her. How embarrassing is that? (laughs) Well,
0: okay, it's Pamela Anderson, everybody. Pam, yes, that Pam Anderson, actor, model, bombshell, pinup, uh, activist, mother of two and wife to many.
1: And now she's a producer. She's a writer. She's a gardener. She's a co well, I guess she's always been these things, a cook, a mom, all all of these things.
0: And she's here to talk about me. about <laughs> <laughs> bad breakup I went through in universe. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm sure it's interesting but she's not. I, I think you you, you got to save that for your other. I show.
0: will. Well, but we do have to tell you sadly uh for us that this and for you that this episode is only available in audio form despite the fact that Pamela has been making waves for appearing in public at Paris Fashion Week no less with absolutely no makeup. And huh. um but despite that her people did request that we only record the audio portion. Of our uh, conversation. You get to see us, consolation.
1: Yeah, but we don't get to see her, which is kind of too bad because uh, she's still much better looking than us. She's still quite the visual pr- phenomenon.
0: Yeah, but there's no doubt that it's Pam Anderson as soon as you.
1: And, of course, we agreed that we, you know, we wouldn't probe into things that she doesn't want to talk about.
0: It's a sex tape. We don't go there.
1: And there's the Pam and Tommy movie, not made by her, uh, about the sex tape.
0: So that still leaves us a lot. So enough about us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to hear. I want to hear. <laughs> We've got
0: plenty of other opportunities. With no further ado, we are thrilled to welcome Pamela Anderson to the Women of Ill Repute. Hi, Pamela. Women of Ill Repute are women who have done things differently and not Thank always you in a popular way but it's worked out it defines us and I think it defines you too Pamela
1: yeah we've been reading about you and I mean it seems like you have a home in Canada now which is kind of cool and we want to talk about that but I mean you're making really big changes in your life you know you wrote the autobiography there's the documentary you're doing uh, the reality show you got to cook there's a lot of stuff like what are you up to oh my goodness
2: What am I not up to? This kind of seems it's kind of inside out or backwards, because this is where I'm from. This is who I am. I'm pretty much like all the women that have raised me here. But I went to Los Angeles and kind of became this crazy cartoon character and ran around and I don't even know how I made it back in one piece. But here I am full circle back on the island safe and sound and doing all the things I've always loved as a little girl. So it's very, this childlike kind of enthusiasm. And my sons wanted me to do my memoirs. They wanted me to write the book. And then they wanted to, Brandon produce the documentary because they wanted people to know who I was in their eyes instead of this perception. And so that's how it started And then me just coming home and renovating my ranch, we thought that would be a fun little TV show just to do with HGTV. We didn't know it was going to go all over the world and, and have all these international buyers and end up on all these different networks. But here we are. So we're doing it. It's just like kind of coming home full circle in real time in front of everybody.
0: (laughs) It sounds like you're, you're renovating or you've renovated your life and you would describe yourself as a crazy or a one-time crazy cartoon character. Do you feel that for most of your life, you've been misrepresented? And by saying that, you've also maintained that many of these choices were yours to make.
2: I don't know if it was misrepresented or misunderstood, but the thing is, if you don't know anybody's full story, you really can't judge them on the surface and... It just became a point where it was just so out of control that I thought, I just have, I'm not ever going to try and explain myself. I'm just going to go with it. This is just who I am, what I'm doing. If I'm an activist and I'm meeting world leaders, whatever got me in the door, if they wanted a kiss on the cheek, that's fine as long as we created laws together. So we all got what we wanted. But it's just kind of, I started using the kind of the image that I created for things that I felt were important, like animal rights And then that, you know, turned into obviously like human rights and vulnerable people. I was able to use that celebrity for things that were important to me because I felt like I just can't talk about my boyfriends and my boobs anymore. I just have to. (laughs) I got to talk about something else. Let me just think about it. Okay, animals. Let's do it. Yeah, it, it's funny. I was
1: in uh, Paris Fashion Week. It was it was a complete coincidence, but you were there. I mean, you've done so much. I mean, there's there's the animal rights stuff, there's the books, there but the documentary, I mean, Maureen was sort of alluding to it about being misunderstood. And that's what Brandon said was that your son, and that's why he made the documentary because you were misunderstood. And part of that, I guess, is because boo hoo, you're so beautiful. Oh god. <laughs> but you did this thing at Paris Fashion Week where you didn't wear any makeup and it's sort of been seized upon as this great sort of political stand that you've taken. Is it? Is it
2: really? Not really. But I mean, I guess I always have a little bit of, you know, something up my sleeve when I do things, but I did that for me. I really looked in the mirror at Paris Fashion Week and I just said, I'm good enough this way. And it really was a leap of faith. And I didn't even know if anyone would really notice. I definitely wasn't trying to make a political statement. But in being authentic and being who you are, you are making a political statement. And there's so many people out there, you know, hiding behind filters and makeup and all that kind of stuff. And believe me, I've been into all of it and done all of it. But I just felt like at this time in my life, at this point in my age and everything, I just want to embrace who I am. And I said, I'm not into chasing youth. I'm into embracing self-acceptance. And it's been very freeing. And it really is like, you know, throwing yourself off a cliff. There was times I thought, well, maybe just a little blush or maybe some mask. No, no, not doing it. Uh, no, not doing it. And then just, just walk out the door because I felt like I, we, we just keep going back to that. And I felt... No. And this is why my kids kind of handle any social media. I just don't want any apps on my phone. I just want to live my life as me. And if if I can make a living at it this way, sure, this is great. But I, I can't, I just don't want to play that game. Unless I'm in a film or doing something, playing a character, but I was playing a character every day and I wanted to peel back the layers and remember who I am. And that's been so freeing. And really I am, I couldn't be happier. I'm happier now than I've been in a long time. And that's just those small changes
0: It's almost like wearing no makeup is the ultimate disguise in a very ironic way. Because when I've seen the pictures of you, I'm like, I would not know that's you. And then you look closer and go, but of course that's her. (laughs) And it makes you look both younger, strangely enough, and more approachable. Do you know what I mean?
2: Well, I've always felt less makeup makes people look younger. My mom even told me a long time ago, she goes, there's going to be a time you're not going to want to wear makeup on your face because it sinks into your wrinkles and, you know, whatever. It's going to make you look older. And then she looked at me and she goes, and then your neck's going to go. And then this is going to go. I'm like, mom, you know. And then you wake up in the middle of the night going, oh, my God, my neck. Is my neck gone? You know, she really knows how to, like, plant a seed that just hits you in the middle of the night.
1: Well, she's living with you now, isn't she? I mean, you've got your kids and your parents. I mean, I don't mean to like any spoiler alerts on the reality show, but the Garden of Eden, like you're building a place for your parents and they move in. And you've also got your sons, Dylan and Brandon, who are in L.A. and they've got a home and you're renovating. So I just wonder, like <laughs> parents, sons, you got a lot going on.
2: Yeah. I'm a mother. I've got two grown sons and we're very close and we're always trying to have some fun creative moments together. And so we, we created the show and yeah, and they're very involved. And I bought this property from my grandparents 30 years ago and I always planned on moving my parents here. They lived in a little cottage in another town and I, they never wanted to leave there, but I just felt like it was, first of all, this property is six acres on the water. It's a beautiful place and I really bought it for them. So I can have a place here, they can have a place here and I can kind of dip in and out and travel and I know they're safe and happy and just feel like I should be closer to my parents as they get older. And so it's worked out. And there's definitely was a transitional period where it wasn't that easy. I mean, two strong women on even six acres is a lot. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but you're perfect and they're perfect. I'm sure it's it's really easy. We don't have any mother issues. More, more.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to write a book one day, Pamela. It's going to be called This Is Not About My Mother.
2: <laughs> you know what? It's all about the mother. It's crazy, but it was one of the hardest things about writing my book was I didn't want to piss off my mother because I knew I'd never hear the end of it. And, you know, and even if I even when I feel like I did everything in my power to present her in a way that was, you know, respectful and everything, she was still angry at every single page I wrote. So, you know, anyway, we got through it. And I actually think it was very, it was good because that generation really doesn't talk about a lot of things that happened in childhood and all the things that we go through, they compartmentalize. And so it was hard because it brought up a lot of things for both of us but it was also very healing but we still now we've stuffed it away again but we kind of we played with it for a little bit we talked about it and then we stuffed it away again but it's better it's like one level better hey
0: hey wow nice chillers you mean my slippers pretty sweet aren't they they are from mave and shea and i've got a pair for you here too super stylish so yeah i'd wear those anywhere well, you could wear them anywhere. They're actually good for your feet, and they have arch support and everything. Yeah, I hate to
1: admit it, but my arches need support. So uh, what size did you get me? 11. What? No, come on. I can't.
0: <laughs> no, I, I got yours in black, but they come in all sorts of colors, and suede and velvet. They've got washable insoles, too. Really nice. So Maeve and Shay. Yep, that's right. The, uh, the slippers are designed by two Canadian women, and they're made sustainably. You're going to love them. I think I already do. All you have to do is go to com. That's M-A-V-E and Shay is C-H-E-Z. And if you use the promo code W-O-I-R, you'll get 10% off. But, Mo, my my feet are not that big. Don't worry. Black will make them look smaller. The women of ill repute you as a mother why are people surprised and you're not the only one that somebody can be beautiful and sexy and you know one-time bombshell whether you like it or not you certainly were why are people surprised that you can be that and be a good mother i mean you and tommy have raised two from <laughs> all wonderful
2: young men yeah that's a miracle they could have been a disaster but You know, I remember getting home from a photo shoot or Vegas or something really late and then, you know, being like the mom at the, getting the kids out of the car and like really judging people's back seats going, oh my God, look at the sandwiches, the water bottles are everywhere. And then I would shut the door and see my reflection and I was covered in glitter from head to toe. And I thought, what do they think of me? Just because I'm covered in glitter doesn't mean I'm a bad mom. Just do your best and you do what you can, what you can do. And I, I had kids to have kids. I didn't want a nanny. I didn't have nannies. And I figured it out somehow.
0: Well, here's the question. It's not meant to be offensive at all, but you've been married six times to five men.
2: No, five times to four men. Five times to four men. There we go. Yeah, that doesn't sound any better. Sorry. No, it doesn't sound <laughs> any better.
1: Well, I shouldn't talk. Maureen's with the, the first guy. We call him the current husband. Yeah.
2: Like,
0: I'm not being smug. I'm just wondering if the institution still holds allure for you. Do you still
2: believe in it? Well, obviously I believe in it. I wouldn't keep trying. <laughs> but yeah, I know. I know. You know, my first husband, I, I think it really was traumatic for me when that didn't work out. And I think I just kept on trying to fill that void and for my kids to have a family. And I didn't do enough work on myself. I didn't have enough. I wasn't none of those relationships were going to work. They just weren't. So I feel like I'm, I've never really taken this time to be on my own. And, you know, you have to be able to be alone so you can be with other people and not let them define you. And, you know, there's a lot of work I need to do on myself, obviously, before I meet somebody else, I hope. Or maybe, you know, dogs are enough. Some people think they are.
1: I'm allergic to dogs, but everybody else seems to to love them and be quite nurtured by them. So I'm, I know that that you and Tommy Lee, the Motley Crue guy, that is the father to your kids, that he was he was like a big deal in your life. And uh, it's great to grow older, and it's great to have memories. But you still love him, and Canada loves you. So it was <laughs> funny. I, I didn't realize that you were you were like a centennial baby. You were born on Canada Day. Yeah, I was born on America Day or whatever, July 4th, which is top secret. Don't tell anyone. Too late now. <laughs> <laughs> but you are embraced by Canadians and I think they'll be really happy to hear that, that you're back. And so do you feel the same way at all about Canada, the way that Canada or
2: Canadians who follow you love you? Well, I love that I'm Canadian and I think it's the only way I survived being in Los Angeles or being in that world at all. It's because I had a good foundation, good roots here on Vancouver Island. It really was my sanctuary always. I always came home to kind of plug in, refuel, lie in the middle of the field, watch the stars. Those trees have known me since birth. And to just be close to this place is what, you know, kept me alive, probably. So I'm just grateful. And I, and I love working with a lot of, I'm working a lot with Canadian companies. That's why I did this Canadian TV show I didn't realize all these international buyers were going to buy the show and it'd be everywhere. I really was just wanting to kind of do something local, do something with Canadian production company and work with different companies in Canada because I am a true Canadian island girl and very proud of it.
0: You sound very happy. Are you happy? I mean, we often look back and go, I was happy then. And we very rarely appreciate
2: happiness when we're experiencing it. Are you happy? I am happy now. And I was happy then, 25 years ago. And in between, I think I really struggled when I had my kids and I was had my family unit together. I was really, really happy. And, you know, it's really hard for me. I haven't watched the documentary in its entirety because I started to watch it and I just fell apart because, I don't know, I hear my voice and I see myself and I see my mannerisms and I realize I was very free. I was very happy. I was very in love. And just then the rest of it was just really, really hard until I came home and did the work and just really sat with my feelings. I did a lot of writing, you know, writing my memoirs and doing documentary was very therapeutic. And I feel like I'm back again. And everything in between, I don't really even remember what happened. I know I raised kids. That's the part I remember. But the other stuff, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't tell you.
1: Well, we are so happy that you're happy. I mean, that sounds really sucky, but it's so true. And I love somewhere I read that Jane Fonda once said to you, don't let them do to you what they did to me. And you're not, you are like seizing things again. You are, you had like a miserable period, it sounds like in your life, but it sounds like you're seizing control, which is kind of cool.
2: It's been a journey. It's been a journey. And, and like I said, now I, now I really feel, Yeah, I spoke at Oxford about, you know, romance and about Cambridge, about veganism. And and I feel like people come up to me and they go, you're not like a religious leader. You're, you know, you're not a political figure, but we relate to you. and We want to hear your feelings and, and how you got through things or what do you think about sensuality. And so I'm really in a lucky place because now that I've had this life experience, you know, hardship qualifies. And I feel like I actually have something to say now. So it's really been fun.
0: Well, I've got one more question for you. You've you've been known, for better or for worse, for being wildly spontaneous. (laughs) Yeah. Sure, you could be wiser now, but there's something to be said for wild abandon as well. Have you completely abandoned your wild abandon?
2: (laughs) No, of course not. (laughs) That's what makes me tick. I mean, this is why I didn't wear makeup at Fashion Week. That's really crazy. You know, kind of play the opposite game when you're at Paris Fashion Week and I had, you know, Anna Winter sitting right across from me videotaping me on her phone at Victoria Beckham's fashion show and I was peeing my pants. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but that feeling of fear and doing it anyway is my drug of choice. I just love it. I just love to push myself in places that are uncomfortable And, well, I shouldn't say I never regret it. I mostly never regret it.
1: (laughs) Well, there's always, I think someone actually sang about it. There's always regrets in life, but we are really happy that you're in Canada. We're really happy that you've kind of figured some stuff out.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing great. And, you know, just throw me in the garden when I'm getting out of control.
0: Wendy and I have interviewed all sorts of famous people. We're just thrilled to talk to you. you. It was nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Really
2: nice to meet
1: you too. Yeah. Good luck with all the projects.
0: Bye. Bye. All right. I know what you're going to say. She was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> that voice is so, um, so iconic, right? You know, you could identify it anywhere. And it's funny It occurred to me, I was telling some people today, I had to rush back to do this interview that I was like, oh, we're we're talking to Pamela Anderson today.
1: Oh, just Pamela
0: Anderson. Yeah, just Pamela Anderson. (laughs) Whether you're 12 years old or 40, male, female, gay, straight, everybody was like, wow. (laughs) She's like, she's seriously famous, right?
1: I find it really interesting that she's trying to say that it was really difficult. Like she fell in love and she had these kids and she was a sex symbol and she liked sex and, and she kind of got taken advantage of by people. She, and as her son says, she was misunderstood, but it's so, but then she's so beautiful. You look at her and you go, oh, really? Oh, really? You've had a hard time? But she has been, well, she says she's not a victim. She's a survivor. But she also says, don't feel sorry for me. I've, I've made these choices and some of it was kind of shitty.
0: You know, being extremely beautiful, as you and I both know, <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, we're natural beauties.
0: <laughs> this, uh, being extremely beautiful can it carries a burden. Know, some people are like, "Oh, cry me a river." You know, I'd like to have that burden. Being extremely ugly also carries a far worse burden. <laughs> people are nicer to uh, to more attractive people. I mean, that's just a fact. And and whether it's fair or not is is not for you and me to determine. But that being said. She was beautiful. Is beautiful, but was beautiful and sexy and a blonde bombshell at a time where women who looked like that were treated accordingly. Like nobody gave women who looked like Pamela Anderson much of a chance to do anything else but be sexy. She was naive, and she came out of BC. She was twenty-two years old. She had no experience. Bam! Next thing you know, she's on in Playboy and then Baywatch, and you know it. It, it was probably you know a very difficult time and some terrible things happened to her. That's just because that's the way things were and still are in a lot of places. So I found it really interesting that she talked about,
1: she talked about her mother uh, and not wanting to piss off her mother in the documentary or in the reality series. And we've all had, you know, we have were raised by strong women. We've all got mother issues, but there was something that really struck me just reading up about her and in, in preparation for the, for this chat. Was that her mother? When she was a kid, said, "There's no such thing as natural beauty. You have to spend like an hour and you, doing your makeup and doing." So there was all of this pressure, all of these sort of old ideas. But she loves her mother, and we all love the old ideas. It's, yeah. it's just
0: breast implants, right? She was they were kind of forced upon her as well. I mean, once she was discovered, as it were, it was like, "Well, your boobs should be bigger." Uh, so, you know, if that's probably in keeping... Because it's all disguise, isn't it, Wendy? The A wig or eye makeup or, you know, when uh, Lily uh, uh, James played her, and we didn't talk about that Pam and Tommy movie because she did not approve, Pamela herself did not approve it. When Lily James played her, she had to have a full prosthetic to like a whole breastplate chest thing uh, so that she could resemble Pamela. I mean, if that isn't the ultimate disguise
1: yeah I think I read somewhere that she didn't uh, that Pamela didn't even want to watch it the Pam and Tommy uh, documentary because it was about the sex tape and it was yeah. about the love of her life and it was and it was not her it was somebody else telling her a story which is yeah. but you know what I, I really wanted to ask her nothing about the sex tape and what was it I wanted to, want to ask her what it's like to have a big forehead <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought you were gonna ask her about Tommy Lee who also has a big forehead wink wink and Anyway, I had a thing for him for a long time, too. I love it. Back in my, this thing where I had for bad boys, that's, I'm not alone in this. It's a, it's a dangerous um, preoccupation. I have one more question for you. Uh Uh-oh. Why don't you want anyone to know your birthday's on July 4th?
1: Top secret. Top secret. Well, on Wikipedia, like 20 years ago, they said that my my birthday was in January. It's not in January, but I didn't change it because everything was, I don't know. I just thought Wikipedia is so ridiculous in some ways, even though I, you know, I check it out, obviously, when we're about to do somebody. Yeah, so I don't want anyone to know that my birthday is July 4th. Please send flowers. You're a
0: complicated woman, you know that? All the secrets
1: yeah, me and Pam. I'm going to do a reality show. Only I, I don't think I'm going to get global right somehow.
0: <laughs> all right, Pam Anderson. Who's next? Maybe we will get you know Mother Teresa and the Pope. Uh, Mother
1: Teresa's dead. Well, which Pope? The pope. <laughs> any, any Pope will do. Hello, Women
0: of Ill Repute was written and produced by Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley, with the help from the team at the Sound Off Media Company and producer Yet Belgraver.